Bet365 sponsors Pod on the Tyne and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. The new season is underway and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets including first, last or anytime goal scorer. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from the Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello everybody and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to podcast about Newcastle United, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is Taylor Payne and I am joined, of course, as always, by Mr George Corkin. How are you doing, George? I'm fair to middling, thank you very much. How are you? Wonderful. That's pretty good for you though, isn't it? That's like, that's a really good day for you. Oh, that's an uptick. That's definitely an uptick, yeah. And we've also got Mr Michael Walker back on the podcast. Michael, how are you doing? I'm alright, I'm alright. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, no problem. It's lovely to hear your dulcet tones. And this time, with the added bonus of you not having to look look at us in a studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, that is a bonus, definitely. Yeah, so we don't have to separate you and George when you have another argument about John Joe Shelby. Sounds all right, doesn't it? I kind of had to apologise for that because I was very wrong. I mean, so we did that. that. The title of that podcast was called Is John Joe Shelby a Liability? And then he immediately came into the team and did really well. He did, yeah. Making you look like quite the prat. Anyway, um, so um, there's lots and lots of stuff going on at the minute. We've actually, we've done some... Uh, uh, put a. Well, yeah, there's all sorts of things going on. Not necessarily anything to do with Newcastle or football, but there's loads going on. Not, not um, in a good way. No. Uh, we put a call out on Twitter earlier on for some questions uh, from uh, the listeners and from followers and stuff like that. And we've got a host of them to get through. So, first question is from Kev Lawson on Twitter. And he's asked, what does the panel... Panel? Is this a panel? <laughs> Is this, have, I got, have I got news for you? Um, what does the panel think uh, would represent a positive transfer window for Newcastle this summer? And which players would represent a real improvement to the squad? Go for it, George. What do you reckon? Well, I mean, it's a great question, that. And it's a great question because how do you judge success or positivity at this point for Newcastle? So <laughs> compared, mm. compared, to the, compared to the players that we kind of thought they might be looking at a couple of months ago, um it's it's difficult to sort of answer that in a it's difficult to answer it's difficult to know how to answer that i mean i think i'm sure michael would probably say the same thing i think it's absolutely key that they get a center forward this mm. this summer and by center forward i mean somebody who's capable of scoring goals as opposed to the yes. fellow yeah. that was brought in for a lot of money last summer who can't i mean i just mm. think that is absolutely fundamental and you know it needs to be somebody who can hold the ball up who can score goals and who can you know who can capitalize on what St Maximin and Almiron in particular sort of bring to the bring yeah. to the pitch so i mean i think that that is the key they we also know that they're looking at center half left back winger uh, and other positions do i think that if they got all those players that it would count as a positive transfer window 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can make that case. But if, <laughs> yeah. So, so w- w- what are we re- re- relating it to in terms of their chances of staying up, which is probably what we're looking at at the minute? They yeah. they just have to do that. Michael, what do you think? If you're relating it to how it stands at the minute, then you know buying a centre forward of some status or potential, that would be positive. That might not make the overall window positive, but it would at least be a positive move. The The question is, is how much they have to spend? What are they prepared to spend? Um, how much do they need for other replacements? But if if you had to do one thing, um, it would be to buy a centre forward who can score goals. And that might cost um, uh, 20 or 30 million. And, and, I, and if that's your total budget, I would put it all into a centre forward. Um, and because I think they need it that much, and I think the team needs it that much as well. You've still there are still decent players in that team, especially you know on, on the wings. You've you you've got Almiron and you've got Saint Maximum, and I know they they people see their deficiencies, but they have strengths. And if they had a goal scoring centre forward between them, that would that would be quite dynamic or has the potential to be dynamic, but. It's who that centre forward is, and um, and how, as I say, how much you're prepared to pay for him, and then whether it's a a fast running centre forward or a sort of back to goal centre forward. Which I, I don't think they need a, a back to goal centre forward. I think it's just it's just finding that particular player who would suit those two players around him. I think. I think a Rondon player. I mean, I, I still. I mean, I know it's ancient history and it's very boring, but I mean, I, I wish he'd stayed last summer because they'd found a way they found a way of playing with you know with a with a with a front three and you could see St Maximan fitting into that uh very well at least I can you know somebody who can hold the ball who can bring those players back in they can get the ball up the pitch and not and not risk losing it so early and you know Rondon Rondon has never been prolific he's certainly not been prolific here but the value that he brought to those other players, um, you know, I would, I would, I would like a player like that, someone, you know, a proper, a proper centre forward who can get the ball, who can keep the ball, who can take the pressure off the team, and get them, get them, get them up the pitch. I mean, yes, somebody who is not averse to scoring goals. As a, at the moment, they they have a centre, they have a centre forward who, who can't score, so that is no use to anybody. Rondon can score. Um, you know that kind of player can score, but I think it's probably asking too much to get a prolific centre forward with with the budget that they have. But they need a cent- They just they need a centre forward, and they need somebody who can come in and give them that straight away. You have to think about value and and be realistic about who you can buy. You know, so I mean, it would be it would be great if Newcastle could go and buy Danny Ings, but I don't think they. You know, do they have the money to do that? Could they go and buy Ollie Watkins from Brentford? I mean, he's linked with um, Aston Villa. He could play up front. I mean, he was really, really good and scored 25-ish goals last season in the Championship. You know, he, he's fast, aggressive, could really, could definitely do it. Um, but do, you know... I don't know what I don't know what the budget is. You know, Steve Bruce might tell you that the budget's twelve million pounds or whatever. I don't know. Well, it seems the budget is is around the thirty thirty five million mark. Um, again, with Newcastle, we're never quite sure what that means and how that gets split up. The striker that they're 
that they're cer certainly been looking at um, is Callum Wilson at uh, at Bournemouth, as indeed have have Villa. I think he would. I think he would add add something. I think he would be a decent signing. Right now, we're offering listeners to this show the opportunity to try out the Athletic for free. You can enjoy all of our writing on Newcastle United. Mm, enjoy, uh, including a recent article from Chris Woff on Newcastle's young players attempting to break through this season. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod to sign up for a 30 day free trial. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. You have to be careful as well, though, don't you? Because we 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 kind of stum stumbled over this a little bit when we signed Rondon, in that we signed him so late in the window that he wasn't prepared for the start of the season. He wasn't he wasn't firing on all cylinders, and it took him about half the season to actually get up to speed. He was largely ineffective for them first sort of six or seven games. Um, and you have to be careful. You cannot leave it too late because we need somebody who's going to come in and bed into the squad. And I know. You know, I know as the as the window goes on, you hope that prices are going to go down as clubs get desperate to shift their players on and stuff like that. But I just I don't think we have the time to be pissing about with this. It needs to be solved well, quick. That's in, that's interesting because there was a question from Stu, which is a bit further down our list. Why does it feel like the club are dragging their heels in terms of strengthening the team where it's desperately needed? I mean, this is a long-standing complaint about the mm. club that. Uh, and again, this is something that, that Benitez talked about all the time when he talked about doing things right. It's not just about buying the right players or selling the right players. It's about moving at the right time and then moving Timing, yeah. moving quickly. It's just never been a strength mm. of the club. And do I think there are mitigating circumstances this summer? There definitely are because you know most clubs are in the same boat in terms of having limited limited resources and yeah. this strange you know this strange period where it's it's a much shorter pre-season but the window staying open longer and so the tension the, the temptation will be to wait and wait and wait mm. until October and try and make the most of your money but of course there are there are big risks associated with that including as you say Taylor that whoever you bring in may not be sharp enough and so you lose out yeah. you might lose out on a on a month of fitness or 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 getting getting fit to save a few bob and so you don't actually save the money at all because as it stands Newcastle will go to West Ham with Andy Carroll up front is that correct God, yeah yeah well yeah unless there's unless there's you know, unless there's a unless Mutu or somebody else kind of comes comes back into it, but no, I mean that's effectively that's effectively where where things stand at the minute, and that is pretty pretty terrifying. Yeah, is is Andy is Andy keeping the wheel clamp this year, or was that just for last year? Because <laughs> that's what it that's what it looks like he's playing with every week to me. It looks like he's got a clamp on. He's very immobile, isn't he? He's very immobile, bless him. Um, took his goal well, mind against, uh, was it Crew Alexander? He, played, he took his goal well, a little flick yeah. over the head and then volleyed yeah. it. Yeah? yeah, different in the yeah. Premier League though, isn't it? Yes, it, it is. is very different. different. Let's move on to uh, the next question from Kevin Monaghan. Uh, also, Sarji, Steve, Jackson, Daniel Blackburn, they've all asked about uh, Matt Ritchie potentially leaving uh, mooted a possible swap deal involving Callum Wilson to Bournemouth. We all know Matt Ritchie's long-standing uh, connection with Bournemouth and he still has a family home there and stuff like that as well. How are we feeling about that? Would this be a bad thing? George, I know you're a big fan of Matt Ritchie, so come on, you jump in on this. I am, yes, I am. I mean, the, the, the other sort of context for that is uh, Newcastle potentially signing 
Ryan Fraser, who is on a mm. free transfer after leaving Bournemouth. There's a lot of Bournemouth. Um, oh, yes. Uh, after after leaving relegated Bournemouth, and I guess that would that would probably be the more uh, obvious part. I mean, yes, okay, perhaps, but potentially you could fit into a swap deal. Swap deals are always very, very problematic and complicated mm, and very rarely yeah. actually happen, but uh, it would be, I guess it would effectively be swapping Fraser for Ritchie. Um, I mean, I would. That would make me very sad. Um, not only because of what Richie brings to the squad and the team, but what he's also done over the last over the last few years, been a you know integral part of the squad that got promoted back to the Premier League and has kept the squad there for the last three seasons. It's probably less about what he does as a player. Um, than than what he does as a fella and uh, that's not to say that he's he's not a good player but probably doesn't score enough goals probably doesn't make enough goals but he just has that extraordinary energy and drive and determination and those things which are really sort of is that enough though george is it enough well is it enough to make him a top 6 Premier League player, top 10 Premier League player. No, I don't think it is. Is but it enough it, to be a Premier League player, though? This is the thing. No, I mean, but I, you no, but I don't... That, I, don't you? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm but playing I'm, devil's advocate here. Obviously, I love, I love Matt Ritchie, but... Yeah, I mean, but, but he's... I think we need more than that. Yeah, but he's 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 been... I mean, where are Newcastle in the Premier League? If <laughs> yeah. they're in the Premier League. I mean, they're, they're in the bottom half, uh, or thereabouts, and he's, you know, I think probably in terms of skill... All that sort of stuff. He's, you know, he's a brilliant championship player, and and then he's a sort of bottom half Premier League player. And but that's where Newcastle have been over the last few years. And he mm. just has that incredible attitude, which is, um, which which I love. And of course, you know that that kind of leads on to the another question from Carlito eighty three, who says <laughs> yeah. who would replace Richie as the most <laughs> Raj member of the team. And I think yeah. it, it is that Rajiness. It is that sort of anger, the anger with himself, the anger with corner flags, the anger with the ball, the anger with his teammates, the anger with all of that stuff, which is very, very funny, but is also really valuable. It's really yeah. valuable to have that in a team, someone who never lets up, someone who never shuts up, someone who harangues the referee, someone who just demands better, who pushes for more. He's that kind of player. And, yeah, I think that, I think that uh, sort of character would be a huge miss if he leaves. I think it'd be quite al- alarming for for fans that a deal to bring Callum Wilson would, if it does, you know, if it's a necessity that Matt Ritchie goes, I think that's quite, you know, can, you not, can Newcastle not afford to sign Callum Wilson just like that on his own without having to, Probably lose, not, to be honest. <laughs> lose a player of, of Ritchie's influence? And even if they did yeah. sign... Ryan Fraser, you would still want Matt Ritchie. I, I wouldn't. If I was a Newcastle fan, I wouldn't want to see Matt Ritchie leaving, and uh, and I would be concerned if it was um, an incoming transfer was dependent on his departure. Yeah, I I I wouldn't want him to leave. I I, I wouldn't. Um, I think he's incredibly valuable. He was out of the team for a for a kind of stretch last season, but I just think what he offers. It isn't just about the pitch, but it is still on the pitch. It's not that. Um, it's 
you know, you 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 get a sense of his worth when he's not there, and he is a driving force. I've I've never thought that Newcastle have a very noisy team. They don't have a, you know, that's not the sort of players they have. But Richie makes up for that on his own. And um, no, I love him. I love him. Uh, just following on from that and the, the talk on Matt Ritchie potentially leaving, uh, question number five, this has just come from Ian. George compiled these questions and he hasn't, he's not written any kind of identifying info on here apart from it came from a bloke called Ian. Uh, did you meet him in the pub or was that online? Or? Well, that was Ian. That was, that was his... That's, that's, just, I haven't Ian. done. I haven't done their full Twitter names. I've done the names that they call themselves on Twitter. Ian. <laughs> this one's from Ian. Who in the current well, squad... I- <laughs> It's Ian who's specifically asked this question. That should do be recognisable. Do you know this Ian? Or do no. you know Ian? No, no. right, okay. <laughs> it could be any Ian. Um, could be Ian Botham, could be anyone. Uh, number five, Ian, who in the current squad can you see being moved on? So just to, to go on from the Matt Ritchie thing, who else do we think could potentially move on here? Because there's been lots of talk about centre-halves coming in as well, hasn't it? And, and it feels like there's almost too many of them at the minute. Uh, and then you, you factor into that some of the links to other centre-halves. It, it seems maybe that could be a position where somebody could leave I don't know yes so so a bit of context for that is that uh, our colleague David Ornstein has written that Newcastle are leading the race or kind of very close to signing Rob Holding on loan from Arsenal Holding is another centre-half actually I'm going to ask Michael about uh, Holding because you're a kind of you you watch Arsenal a fair bit you like Arsenal what what would he bring that the other centre-halves at Newcastle don't have Um, I don't know I don't know if it, I don't know if he would bring yeah. enough enough difference to what they have. The focus shouldn't be on Newcastle defensively. The mm. focus needs to be on Newcastle creatively. I okay, think, that's, yeah, I no, that's fine. You know, I, I, you know, I, I know what you mean. I mean, he's he's to me, he's not massively different from Fernandez um, or Shaw. You know, so I I, I don't I don't see. You know a huge difference in in him from what they have already. You know, you know maybe there are maybe there are stats that prove that he's much more dynamic. You know, I I, I don't know, but I, I I you know visibly I don't see that. I, I don't see a huge difference. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. I that 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 was kind of what I was sort of interested in really because I I on the face of it I didn't really see that either. I suppose. If you're, I mean, Fabian Cher kind of went out of the team a bit last season. He's he's injured. He certainly lost favour. He's injured now. He's out probably out for another five weeks or so with a dislocated shoulder. So that may not help in terms of him leaving. The Hazels, you know, there are also concerns about Lejeune and his fitness and the suggestion that one or both of those may be vulnerable in terms of in terms of leaving so i guess oh well in in that case but, then then it's a, then it's about replacing bodies you know yeah. with bodies but i mean you know what does jamal lasalle's think you know about rob holding he probably sees a fairly similar player to himself yeah fair enough but okay so fine but in terms of people who so yeah there are there are six and a halfs um at the last count so you would think that there might be room uh, room there to to pick up a bit of money, albeit with the with the with the stuff that I've said there about fitness and things like that. I mean, you've still got players in the squad. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe some of these people left three years ago, and I just haven't noticed. But I mean, <laughs> Henri Steinve 
who oh god is still there is still yeah. there isn't he um yeah. La- Lazar, was five and a half years when he signed it good bit of business uh Lovely Lazar business. is back <laughs> i think rolando Ahrens is back jacob <laughs> jacob murphy we've seen yeah. has actually played a bit of a part um i think i think cisco still plays for us doesn't he <laughs> Chris, good. <laughs> Chris, Christian Atsu yeah. um, is back, and Jesus. then of, and then there are people. Christian Yewu, Christian Yewu, I share a birthday with him. He's born on exactly the same day, same year as me. And every this year is... on Twitter, I send him a message saying "Happy Birthday," and he doesn't fucking reply ever. The, these are the these are some, <laughs> this is a podcast in itself. The incredible disappearing Newcastle United football, or the never oh. quite disappearing Newcastle the football, incredible reappearing Newcastle football. Like yeah, Jake yeah, Murphy and people like and, that, and and. There's Muto, of course, as well, who who barely figures. <laughs> the problem, of course, is that with some of these players, that they're going to be on decent money in terms of certainly in terms of the Premier League uh, mm. you know, or or below, and you know it will be a struggle to struggle to get rid of those players. So, but you know, yeah. all of the all of them would be, you know, you would you would listen to offers for them, wouldn't you, George? Just to be sure, Jack Colback has gone, hasn't he? Jack Colback has indeed gone. Oh, thank God for that. He may come back. At some point, no, he can't. he's gone. He can't. That's <laughs> okay, not okay. Gates are shut now. That's it. <laughs> okay, fine. fine. <laughs> um, okay, number seven. Actually, no, number six. Craig Allen. What other sport slash team can I support, seeing as I can't possibly face another season of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would um, say, I would say, if you don't want to go and watch Newcastle anymore, go and support your local non-league team. Do that. That's what I would say. But well, ooh. I went to. I went to. Dunstan on Friday night, which we'll come to later, no Ooh. doubt. And uh, so you could walk across, uh, walk across and watch Dunstan. Yeah. And those non-league teams need need support. They certainly of do. Of course, more than more than ever at the moment. Um, I mean, I would do. I would say the same. I would say the same thing. Just as a matter of course, on those on those kind of rare weekends. Slightly different now since I've been at the Athletic, but on those weekends when. I didn't have a match report to do in my previous uh, job. I would love going to watch Heaton Stannington or one of those great Northern League teams and just having that sort of day where you can turn up five to three, get yourself a pint and a programme, a really good programme, stuff to read it, and stand, you know, stand right next to it and uh, and watch the game. And it does refresh. It sort of refreshes the head Getting there, not having to look at Twitter, not having to, put, does, you know, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, joking aside, I would, um, I would, uh, I would definitely recommend that. But yeah, we will talk a bit more about uh, Michael and non-league a little later. I've had some fabulous afternoons out at South Shields over the last few years when there's been when there hasn't been Newcastle football going on. I've been uh, been down there and watching those guys, and honestly, the atmosphere is great. It's such a oh, good place. it is. It's really good. Yeah, and that's and that's you know their story is just is absolutely astonishing. I mean, they're the mm. closest. They're the closest you could have to a to a league team that is still non-league. I mean, what they've done mm. there over the past few years has been incredible and huge, huge. And for numbers. the community as well, you know, there's there's kids there's, yeah. there's kids in my my little boy's class who wear South Shields shirts to their football uh, training and stuff like that, and that's that's amazing, you know, to see Shield shirts in amongst all the Barcelona tops and the Man City shirts and stuff like that. And there's a kid wearing yeah. a Shield shirt. It's great. I love seeing stuff like that. It's fantastic. Wouldn't it be great if every clothing store you shopped at only had your size? <laughs> does uh, does anyone have your size? 
<laughs> not anymore. They don't. No, not after not after lockdown. Uh, the styles you like and everything at the price you want. Well, Stitch Fix is a company focused on doing just that. It's an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes that you love simple. It's a completely different way to shop, and it's all about you. To get started, go to Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix. <laughs> if you're Sean Connery, to get started, go to Stitch Fix. Well, the Stitch Fix, perhaps stitch I've lost my sex appeal. Ah, George, you're a shite for sure, eyes. Um, go to stitchfix.co.uk slash time to set up your profile and they'll deliver great looks personalised just for you. You'll pay £10 styling for each fix, which is credited towards anything you keep scheduled at any time with no subscription. Delivery and returns are completely free and easy, so you can always send back items that aren't right for you. Get started with Stitch Fix today by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash Tyne right now and make sure you use our show name to support our podcast. That's stitchfix.co.uk forward slash Tyne. So, uh, number seven. Uh, on the same sort of subject, Jonathan Collin, Chris F. Lee Robson basically asks us to talk about anything other than Newcastle <laughs> or say they've given up caring. Uh, this Dave asks if there's anything to get excited about now. Any kids on the fringes of the first team who uh, we should be excited about? Well, Chris Chris actually um, wrote a piece about that. It was either at the end of the last week or this week. It's about this week. And that was... That was the kind of subject that a writer from every club has had to do something on. Who, who, who is there to look forward to? You know, and yeah. Chris's Chris's answer to that was actually nobody. <laughs> but but it, for Classic once, Chris. but for once it was a, it was it was kind of a positive answer because right. a lot of those players are actually now going out on loan, and this has been a, the loan system has been a problem at Newcastle where. Players either haven't gone out on loan and they've kind of stuck around and and not really got anywhere, um, or they've gone on loans and not played elsewhere. And it's something that the club appears to be taking seriously. And then that also leads on to another piece um, that's been on the Athletic uh, uh, this week, written by Chris and Stu James, and it's about Freddie Woodman. And there's actually it's there's chatting to various people who've been around uh, Freddie Woodman's development. Of course, he's Young goalkeeper, very very gifted, has played for 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 England at at uh, under twenty level, wasn't it? Won the yes, World that's Cup. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, saving penalties and shootouts and everything. Yeah, yeah, and so but hasn't found a way through at Newcastle yet. He's just gone back to Swansea and another season's loan. And it was talking, you know, it was it was talking about that whole uh, that whole scenario. So. The good thing is that Newcastle are sending those players out, and they're getting uh, getting football. Um, can we talk about anything else other than football? I mean, we can. I mean, it's sort of. I mean, we often do. I mean, with Chris not with Chris not here, we've we've lost a sort of. Yeah. We've lost our oh, meat we've, specialist. We've lost a meat <laughs> sausage specialist. Um, so I'm not really sure what the. I'm I'm, I'm having, not good at that. Michael isn't good on any kind of human in, human interaction kind of um, thing. Taylor, you've not been very well recently, so no, you know, I'm riddled. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure we're offering much positivity there. Well, what I can say on the subject of young players is that having been to a couple of those under eighteen games last year, you know they do. There are a couple of boys there, but I do, you, you're just reluctant to get ahead of you know yeah. talking up you know, Elliot Anderson and Joe White, but they're both 
they're both clearly accomplished footballers at their age now whether they you know where they are in two years time and is is another matter and let's hope they progress um uh, and newcastle did sign regan thompson didn't they the the scottish lad who's yes. really yeah. good you know so so there 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 may be some positivity there but it feels um removed from the first team situation at the minute. Is Scholar Amiobi still involved in the loan uh, deals that we do? Is, I, I know he was in charge of loans, wasn't he, at one point, that was just, which is a bit of a strange appointment. Is he still there? I believe so, yeah. I think he's there, loan arranger. Loan arranger. Loan arranger. Loan arranger. The loan arranger. <laughs> but, that's, but that's a position, you know, most clubs, most clubs have, you know, like Chelsea have... Carlo Cudicini in charge of of their oh, loans. You know, it's like it's it's that's quite a you know, especially whenever you're Chelsea and you're sending out two hundred and eighty eight <laughs> yeah. players on loan, you need yeah. you need someone to look after it. Yeah, it's a very good point. Um, moving on to something a little bit more <laughs> uplifting, takeover. Oh, oh, God. Fuck's sake. <laughs> George's favourite subject in the world. Uh, I haven't had a chance to ch- talk to you much, George, over the last couple of weeks because obviously you were off uh, for for a couple of weeks and then I was away for a week, so we haven't really had much much of our wonderful takeover banter. Um, King of Northumbria, Jake, Al, Ed, James, Lucas B, David Pick, Sean, and James Bolham all ask about the takeover, where things stand with Amanda Staveley's led consortium, uh, and how do we interpret their silence following the brilliant work of the fans and the NUST in mobilising support for the takeover and asking the Premier League for transparency? That was a big sentence. Uh, there's also a report <laughs> suggesting that Staveley and the rest of the bid, uh, the rest of them, didn't have appetite to resurrect the bid. I read about that yesterday as well. So where do we stand on that at the minute, George? Yes, I mean, so it is with a heavy heart that uh, I begin this sentence. Um, uh, but really, only because it's the subject that dare not speak its name. What I said last week was that, um, you know, we are, we are in this kind of strange position where they the, the bidders have pulled out and yet still remain committed, to use their phrase. And uh, Mike Ashley, indeed, remains committed. Um, and... Having had that sort of huge, I mean, brilliant uh, response from Newcastle fans to get engaged to to sort of ask the Premier League for some transparency to get make contact with MPs, there was then that very detailed response from Richard Masters, so de- of the Premier League, so detailed. It, I mean, it, you know, far more detailed than any journalist has been able to to to, to get. Um, that there's kind of almost been this, you know, perhaps feeling of deflation or that m- momentum has kind of been lost. Fans have done absolutely everything that they they were asked to do, came together, united, and then since then, sort of silent. So what was the point of all that then? And I completely, I completely get that. What I said last week was that it's, you know, it's having got those politicians involved that it's moved to a sort of political level and that if there's going to be any kind of movement that will be where it comes from but I also said that if anything's going to happen it needs to happen without daily updates it needs to happen with silence and the next thing we need to hear about from Amanda Staveley or the consortium or anybody else, actually, is that it's either happening or it's definitively off. I don't think... I mean, does what the Premier League said leave questions to be answered? Absolutely. 
You know, it really does. But do I think there's a worth for those questions to be answered right now? No, I don't. Is what Newcastle fans did been in vain? I would argue categorically not, categorically not, for the very obvious reason that it did get a response from Richard Masters and it did get a commitment to either change the owners and directors test or change the way it's communicated. Now, I've, I've seen people say, how does that benefit Newcastle? You know, effectively, that will benefit other clubs. Well, Newcastle still have an owner who wants out. And and so that will that will benefit Newcastle, if not immediately, then somewhere down the line. But the other effect that Newcastle's, uh, that response to Newcastle fans had was in reminding everybody, and I'm including the prospective buyers on this, just how powerful Newcastle is, can be, just how much people want the takeover to happen. And that has been, believe me, that has been noticed. And so am I back, you know, this is a very long-winded answer and I'm really not saying very much, but sort of in March, in March, April, whatever, I was at May, I was absolutely convinced that this would happen, you know, that the takeover would happen finally because I just thought that money wins, you know, money wins. Um, am I sitting here now thinking it's definitely going to happen? No, categorically not. I'm I'm getting on with my life and I would really recommend that everybody else does the same thing and assume and assuming, you know, that we're stuck with this position at the moment. Is this takeover, this version of the takeover completely dead? No, it's not. But I still find it very difficult to to see a pathway uh for it to get resolved in a positive manner, but it isn't it isn't dead. I but I you know, I do think I know there's a feeling of kind of people being let down or this or this sort of vacuum. But honestly, I think the next thing we need to hear is that um, it's either finished for good or that there's been a positive positive resolution. It's a difficult one, isn't it? It's, I think a lot of fans are just kind of fed up the whole thing now. And you know, the minute that the minute that this kind of stopped being a uh, uh, you know a, a will it won't it sort of situation, we got a load of other noise and uh, interest from other parties. The Belagraph Nova group popped up and with their wonderful photoshopped pictures of Barack Obama, um, which Reuters actually this morning have have. Um, have reported that they're full of shit. I mean, I might be paraphrasing slightly. But <laughs> what a that, shock. What a shock that is to all that, of us. But that was the... Yeah, I mean, wow, what a surprise. I think the one it, I think it surprised Michael Chopper more than it did a lot of the rest of us. But bless it. Um, yeah, so that that is done now, apparently. Um, and then we've also got the magical disappearing Mr. Henry Maurice, who was all ready to go, officially had made a £350... £350, £350 million pound bid a couple of weeks ago, according to... Uh, I think that was the problem. I think, it was, I think it was 350 quid plus yeah. add-ons. <laughs> yeah, the problem was he made that bid in Asda vouchers, not in actual money. So uh, we, we've struggled a little bit, haven't we, over the last couple of weeks. There's been a lot of noise and confusion and not an awful lot of information. It's been a bit of a shitstorm, hasn't it? But not to worry. Um, moving on. It it sorry, I just say... It Go feels, on, no. It, it feels like Mike Arsley is, will, will, will be in charge this season. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think we have yeah. to, you know, I do think we have to assume that. And, um, you know, I think that's I, th- I think that's just where we are. I'm certainly assuming that. Um, and, but I just think that, I mean, I know, think, I know that one thing that is really kind of regretted 
uh, and you won't get anybody owning up to it. But the that leaked to the Wall Street Journal in in January, when uh, it kind of all came out, and it sort of forced all of us to 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 respond and react has has been was catastrophic and i don't know what the catastrophic in the sense that it shone a shone a light on something that should have been happening behind the scenes i'm not saying that that would have eventually meant that um it would have gone through because as we've seen there was you know pretty big reasons why why the premier league think it couldn't but that just daily sort of drip 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 of 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 stories and objections and protest and all that kind of stuff just didn't didn't serve didn't serve anybody any use and i just think we have to be beyond that now so although i know that there is still huge interest and there is still you know just absolute desperation for kind of news and for 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 stuff to be kind of reported and it does feel like it's it does feel unresolved in the sense that there should be a response from from Staveley. I also think that for now things just have to stay quiet. And I, I again to repeat, I think the next thing we should hear should be, you know, a definitive end or a definite, you know, a, a definitive end one way or the other. Matt Slater's piece about Richard Scudamore and his his sort of group mentioned Newcastle a couple of times, um, which I thought was quite interesting just that it was mentioned mm. those two things were mentioned in the same article i thought that was quite um interesting i don't know if it means anything no it was interesting and you know the other the other thing to say is that every single time i mean the last time that david Lee tried to buy the club she the following summer uh, you know i kept in touch with her a little bit and the following summer she actually said is does he really want to sell? You know, does he really want to sell? And that was a few months. That was a few months later. The thing that if you talk to them, if you talk to others, if you talk to people around the club, the one thing that nobody doubts anymore is that Ashley does want out and he does want to sell. And so I've never. I mean, it's a to say I'm more confident of that than ever is seems a strange thing to say, bearing in mind what's happened this summer. But. Um, you know, I do. I think that's genuine. No, people aren't questioning that anymore. He wants out, and so it will happen at some point. You know, there's that, a willing. Then, there's a willing. Returns, that brings us back to the the discussion about um, recruitment. Because if Mike Ashley is there yeah. really reluctantly, then that's that. That's not a way to. That that's not something you can base a recruitment plan on. No, that's a funny, interesting argument because I think you go back through most most managers, you know, that have served under Ashley, and they've all gone through that same thing. It's about how do we get Mike, how do we get Mike interested? How do we get him engaged? How do we make him focus on the club and give him give it give the club a bit of love and resources and stuff like that? And he has these sort of weird spikes of interest, but unfortunately, the spikes of interest aren't necessarily what you want because there was a spike of interest 40 million frigging quid for Jalinton and you know what was all that about you know offering to pay 20 million of that from his own money so it wouldn't come out of the club's budget and things things like that that his his interest is not necessarily a good thing in fact quite often it's a bad thing but are Newcastle ever going to kick on and progress with an owner who wants out no probably not are Newcastle going to progress and kick on with Mike Ashley, Ashley as owner anyway? 
No. So it's about keeping Ashley engaged enough so that there's enough investments and Newcastle don't go down. But really, I don't, I don't really see that as being very different from like life under Mike Ashley for the past 13 years anyway. It's, I've said a couple of times that it feels like it's almost the last Friday afternoon of his two weeks' notice at a really shit job. And he's kind of, you know, he's got his feet on the desk, he's photocopied his arsons and sent it to his boss a couple of times. He's just had enough. And he's like, I've clocked out now, I'm done. I'm not paying any interest to this anymore. And it's it, it, you kind of you feel really sad about that as a fan because you think, well, you know, we're still here, we're still paying money, we're still going to, well, we're not going to games, but we will be going to games <laughs> when we're allowed to. But it's it just it's so frustrating. If things were normal, what do you think the first crowd of the season, home crowd of this season, would be? That's a, that's a great oh, question. It would be 40, it would be 42 to 45,000 people, easy, if not more. First one, I don't know, because I think last season quite a lot of people turned up on the first day, which was supposed to be a boycott, wasn't it? And <laughs> But then the crowd dropped away. Then the crowd dropped away. And then, and then he handed out 10,000 free And then he handed out 10,000. It's a, it's, a, it's a great question. Yeah, but we're a year, we're a year on from that. I know. Yeah, what, I know. So, so the sec- okay, the sec- say, say there's, a, you know, there's interest for the first game. The second home game is Newcastle-Burnley. What do you, re- what, what would, in normal times, what would that, what do you think that would, if if Newcastle's recruitment consists of Jeff Hendrick, what what is what is the realistic crowd figure you would get for that game? The, the simple answer is, I don't know. But I mean, I would be scared. I would be scared. I mean, I would be scared of that. And you know, if you think that ten thousand people, how many of those people who came for free would be looking to buy a season ticket this time? I mean, it's not. You wouldn't think a huge amount. And you would think that quite a lot of people would would have found something else to do. I wouldn't be surprised if it was in the in the thirties, the high thirties. But I think there's an awful lot of people in that stadium who who go out of routine. Who, if they were allowed to fill the stadium, I don't think it would be far off it. I think you'd be looking at mid to high forties, regardless, because I think people just will go. I I I, I know we lost sort of ten thousand people before last season and the free season tickets and everything. But I think there's just, I don't think there's enough of an appetite for people to stop going yet. But last last season, Newcastle had signed, you know, regardless of how the money is spent, they had spent 40 million on Julian and 25 million yeah. six months earlier on Almiron. Sam Maximum came in as well. Sam Maximum came in. So they had actually made some signings. So there was, you know, there was, there were reasons for, you know, those three players, you know, individually gave reasons for hope this time around the you know the absence of recruitment is um that doesn't excite you know won't excite people enough to go it always feels like newcastle you're sort of the the judgment is somehow delayed or or you're kind of waiting for judgment it's like and this you know the 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 second half of last season was such a sort of mirage in terms of the stadium being full and so we couldn't quite sort of judge what people felt because uh you knew that people you know 10th i mean it's a fifth of the crowd it's a massive it's a massive number that and you would you would just think that the way last season finished and the takeover then not happening um, would have the same sort of effect. Plus, also the fact that then people are so you not only have you got ten thousand people. I mean, so presumably some of those ten thousand people were the same people who who stopped going. But um, you've also then got people out of the habit of going and out of the habit of. It's like okay, well, 
I now have missed a few games and am I really missing out and why am I there in the first place and having stepped back from it and seeing watched it from the outside in you know in front of an empty stadium and all that watching it on the television do I want to start paying money again do I want to do that is it worth my while is it worth my time all those things you know we just we just don't know. We're not going to know for the immediate future because we're not going to have full grounds for for the immediate future. It's it's such a tough one. I mean, you would always kind of back the quote unquote loyalty of Newcastle fans to turn up, except that something pretty fundamental was broken last season. And has anything happened in the meantime to repair that? And it categorically hasn't. Let's move on. We've got a couple of questions to get through before we finish. That was a really long answer to a question I can't even remember at the start. I don't even know where that came from, but um, we've got a couple left to do. I want to get this one out because I think it's really important that we that we tackle this. Um, Ian Armitage and Richard have both asked about furlough. Is it right slash appropriate that the club is signing players for millions when it continues to use the furlough scheme? And why has COVID hit so hard in terms of transfer budget? You know, in terms of furlough, that has been a kind of familiar but also very depressing um, story from the past few months. You know, Newcastle, the first club to go into furlough, I think the last to come out, and I don't think they've ever talked about it publicly. Um, I don't think Newcastle are the kind of worst example of this. There was the story about Arsenal, wasn't it, losing a lot of their non Playing the image, yeah, fifty-five staff at the same time, yeah, at the same time as signing William, signing William, a week or whatever, yeah, and so stuff like that is very difficult to get your head around and reconcile and and things like that, and is very, you know, is very tough. At the same time, Arsenal, like the rest of Premier League clubs, effectively don't have a stadium. I mean, even, and even when the stadium is full, uh, sorry, even when the stadium is back open again and games being played, it's with, what you know, what it, what, what is it, 200 people in the actual stadium, including... So the way clubs are working and the way clubs are, are having to do their business is, is, is obviously very, very different now than it was six months ago. But, yeah, it does. It, it sticks in the... It sticks in the throat, all that kind of stuff, and you know, again, with Newcastle, part of the part of the problem, or a big part of the problem, is just the lack of discussion about it, the lack of openness about it, the the just that sort of reluctance to acknowledge things like that, to explain, you know, quite often, um, you know, I think it's you know, difficult decisions do have to be made whether it's in life, in football, in, you know, by governments, you know, whatever, we all have to make difficult decisions sometimes. I always think that those decisions are made easier, even if just a little bit, by talking about it and explaining and, uh, you know, owning up if it's a mistake or doing all that kind of stuff. And Newcastle don't do any of that and they don't do it in, you know, they a, a football club is not a human being, but they, they, but they don't have that human touch and it's very distressing. There's something else I want to mention here, which is really, actually really pissing me off at the minute. I've read it a couple of times on Twitter in the last week or so, is people still waiting for refunds for those cancelled games and for cancelled season tickets. Um, it's got to the point now where that needs sorted out and it would take 
it would take nothing to do that. They just need to get that sorted out. That's money that people have spent. In, it, in the times that we're in at the minute when people are struggling, people have been furloughed, some people have lost their jobs. If you're self-employed, you know, you've, you might have lost all your work. There's people who've lost money and who haven't been able to attend games, who've asked for refunds. They've been told they're getting them and they're still waiting. And what are we, two, two and a bit weeks away from the start of the season? There's a chance the season could start and people are still waiting for refunds from last season. That has to be sorted and it has to be sorted now, straight away, as quick as possible. Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sit eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash athletic and pay the postage of just £4.95. And if that wasn't enough, as a listener to our show, you'll get an extra two free beers. So that's 10, 10 free beers, George. When was the last time you had 10 free beers? Was it when you went uh, out wearing that skimpy thing down the quayside? Yeah, I got a lot of attention that night. Don't knock it. <laughs> I'm sure Don't you knock did. it unless you try it. <laughs> I couldn't possibly pull that off. Um, beer 52 or Beer Pioneers, <laughs> they travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands and they deliver the beers straight to your front door. You don't even need to leave the house, which is good because some people can't leave the house at the moment. I actually got a box of Beer 52 and it was very, very good. There was some fantastic... Uh, cheeky little numbers in there. There was also a couple which left me slightly blind and feeling uh, <laughs> feeling, <laughs> feeling very drunk, but that's okay. That's what it's for. Uh, your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown in too. That's what you are, George, aren't you? You're a beery snack. Yeah, we drank some of those on the way to West Brom, didn't we? They were lovely. Oh, we did, yeah. We did. Yeah. Oh, they were good. They were even better after a 3-2 win in the cup, but there you go. Just go to beer52.com forward slash athletic now to get your free case. And don't forget right now, listeners get two extra free beers. Final question. Final question. Matthew Laidlaw asks, maximum time spent leaving a teabag in the cup before removing? Uh, well, Teddy, you, why don't you tackle this one? Um, well, I like a strong brew, I have to be honest. I like a strong brew, with, but with plenty of milk as well. So if you can't stand the spoon up in it, it's not strong enough as far as I'm concerned. So leave that teabag in a good week. For- <laughs> so <laughs> is, is, that, is that kind of David Dickinson-style colour? Is that, I mean, that's... Oh, like that a rich mahogany, yeah. Yeah. Lovely. No, a couple of minutes, you know, a couple of minutes, chuck a bit of milk I'm terrible. In. I'm terrible at making tea. I don't know why that is. I'm really terrible at making tea. It's not yeah. difficult. There's nothing worse in the world, though, is there, when someone asks you, oh, do you want a cup? And you say, oh, yeah. And they make you one and they hand you this milky piss with, like, it looks like it's just been shown That's a teabag. That's what I do. That's what I That's do. That's just not, you cannot, it's well, no. just been threatened with a teabag rather than actually had one. I- I, maybe it. I just don't have the pa- I don't have the patience. I'm such a busy and important. That's man, what it is. But, that's yeah. what it is. You have many leather-bound books, I'm sure. Yes. Anyway. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Thank you to all the uh, the listeners and the Twitter people uh, for uh, for sending in those questions. I'm sorry if we didn't get to yours, and I'm sorry that I didn't have surnames for a lot of you or Twitter IDs. But George has just scribbled down whatever he could, uh, and we've we've put them out there. Anyway. Uh, moving on, uh, Michael. We want to talk to you a little bit about a piece that you're working on at the minute with regards to Harry Pearson. How's that? Yes. The reason I was at Dunstan on Friday night was because I went with Harry Pearson to watch Dunstan v Blythe Spartans in a pre-season friendly because Harry 
um, has written a sequel to The Far Corner called The Farther Corner, and it's really good, as you would expect. The The, the Far Corner was covered the 93-94 season when Harry was in his early 30s, and he, he, he went around various grounds in the northeast, and it yeah. was called A Maisie Dribble Through the North, Through Northeast Football, was its mm. subtitle. And, um, and he went around and... Um, with these unpromising um, beginnings, he produced a classic, and I think it's a really, um, it's a really loved book. It's not just you know well read; it's really loved and cherished. And talking to him, he was obviously offered the opportunity to write a sequel. You know, after ten years, after fifteen years, after twenty years, or whatever, and. Eventually, after 25 years, he's gone back to it and written The Farther Corner. And um, he's, he's, whereas he had, um, you know, Newcastle and uh, Middlesbrough and Sunderland in, in the first book, he's, it's, a, it's non-league uh, this time and completely. And uh, I'm saying that, I better check. The, the, no, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. <laughs> and uh, um, and uh, it's... It's like just it's just him. It's just really funny, really droll, and rereading the far corner. What I didn't, what didn't sort of strike me, obviously, because he's you know obviously he's a very subtle writer as well, is that there was there was some social comment in 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 the far corner, and there's a bit more obvious social commentary this time, and that's quite interesting. And he's talked about the. Not just the change in football in the Northeast since 1994. He's talked about the change in the Northeast as a place, and um, and in some ways it's changed hugely, and in some ways it hasn't changed at all. And um, and he's done it in his in in Harry Pearson style, which is just really great. And um, I think. Um, there'll be a lot of people getting this over the next few months. What you won't have got from Michael there is a sense of just how funny how he Pearson is mainly because Michael's such a very dry and serious man but um but the far the far the far corner is just it's oh, it's, it's hilarious it's, it's, it's laugh I mean, out loud at every page you know it's it is. really and fun yeah what I what I kind of love about this image of Michael and Harry um going to watch a match together is is of course you, you know th- there's a very good argument there between the two of them who who has written the definitive book about northeast mm. football because of, of course. course michael who far too modest to say this himself wrote uh wrote up there which is there, yeah. just a sensational book if you've not read it uh, i'm sure it's still available from all good bookshops and places and like some that bad but, ones as well. but and some bad ones and <laughs> the, i i think the two books i think those two books complement each other in a uh, admittedly, they weren't written at the same time. Michael's book is much more is much more contemporary, but um, but they work. But th- th- there are no there are no two better books about northeast football. So I love the idea about Michael actually writing about Harry and Harry's new book. But if you've not read the Fantastic. Far Corner, uh, you can still you can still get it. It's absolutely oh, brilliant. Oh yeah, the, I mean the Far Corner is just it's just superb, and I'm just looking at it now. It's been we'll reprint, reprinted and reprinted and reprinted, and yeah. um, and it's still there. It's still in the bookshelves, and it's really worth reading. Um, but so either either before you get to the Farther Corner, if you haven't re- read it, or so is the, the Farther, farther corner, corner out and, now? Is it? 
The Father Corner came out last week, yeah. So right, it's, okay. It's, um, it's in the bookshops in Newcastle and elsewhere as we speak. So fantastic um, stuff. Uh, and it's really, it's just him again. It's just brilliant. There's, a, you know, I don't want to give away the lines, you know, but there's just, <laughs> there's just, you know, he's just, um, he's just great. He's just a great, the thing about him is he's just, he's a great listener. And so he, he, he goes on trains and buses and taxis to games and, um, and he just hears these lines and notes them down and puts them all together and it's just brilliant absolutely brilliant i think there's that it what it does do as well it serves as that sort of reminder that you do all need sometimes and you know we're we're very lucky michael and i in our jobs in the sense that we go around we 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 talk to people and you, you kind of remember why football is is good even when the football itself is bad that yeah. football, you know, the f- football is good and football people are good. And why I'd always recommend going to to non-league if you're feeling a bit jaded about Newcastle or, you know, uh, whatever, and we all are, that you do get that sense of why people are there, why people mm-hmm. do things. Uh, it takes a lot of dedication to be involved in, oh, in non-league yeah. football, you know, and, okay, fine, players get a bit of money and things like that but really you have to you, 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 going well, the, back the vast to the, majority of volunteers the the vast majority, well, that's that's the point i was going to make we yeah. as a country we wanked on about the the volunteers during the olympics in two yeah. in 2012 and what a great job they did which of course they did but countless more people volunteer in football week in week out and we don't sort of celebrate that in yeah. the same way. I mean, I understand that, but um, we sort of take it for granted. But if you want to reconnect with football, if you want to, if you want to remember why why we do it, you know, I would urge you to to seek out a northern league northern league game in particular, and um, you know, have a pint. That's correct, George. That's and, the correct word. It's a celebration. Yeah. The, the both yeah, both of Harry's yeah. books, the both of these two books are a celebration of the northeast and. The, the the farther corner is subtitled a sentimental return to northeast football, but he that, I think that undersells it a bit. He he isn't actually that sentimental, you know. There's there's he's he's melancholy and um and loving, but he isn't it, it isn't sentimental because there as I say there's some social commentary in there that's a, mm. that's um that's harsh. I'm not harsh, but it 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 might be um more than people expect. And one of the thing, one of the reasons is, is because as you've just said, George, people like Harry and football fans go to places that the rest of the population don't go. So Harry <laughs> goes, you know, Harry goes yeah, to yeah, e- yeah. Harry goes to Easington. The people who write newspaper columns in London about Easington don't go yeah. there. But Harry yeah. goes to Easington and Horden and you know and everywhere that people write commentary about, and he sees it, and he's part of it, and. Um, and that's why he's. That's why he's actually. He would never describe himself as important, but he is really important. Fantastic! That sounds amazing. I'll definitely have a look at that, and I would urge reader uh, listeners and readers to do the same and uh, and check that. Check those two books out. 
I think with non-league football, you often get a wonderful sense of community that you don't that you don't often feel when you go to the likes of Newcastle or Sunderland or somewhere like that. There's something just that little bit special about it, and there's a little bit of a crackle in the air whenever you go. Whenever I go to South Shields, and there's little knowing nods of kind of recognition from different people who you've seen over the years who go there, and uh, and and you well, just don't get that when you go to the it's match. Di- it's you know? different, doesn't it? I think if you oh, I think if you if you're going to Newcastle on a good day, whenever the club's well run and playing well, or some and whenever it's it's run well and the team is good and then that has its own atmosphere we can't you know you can't knock that mm. you know that has no. its own draw and attraction which is why there are tens of thousands of people going yeah. but it's it's you know it isn't often like that um in the northeast but um but the non-league um grounds have their own different kind of atmosphere and it's not for everybody but it is for a lot of people but I think, and definitely, if we're talking about South Shields, they have they have absolutely benefited from from, from the from yeah. from I mean, in particular, Sunderland, but I think also I think Newcastle as well. People who feel so far removed and disenfranchised oh, yeah. from their club, absolutely. you know, and South Shields have have done brilliantly in in capturing that. I mean, in some ways, then they've become so sort of. Uh, popular if that's the right word you've become so well attended that they're not necessarily a a kind of they're not necessarily a good example but they're a brilliant example of um people believing in something you know Mm. if if it's difficult to believe in Newcastle sometimes it's very difficult to believe in Sunderland at the minute because of where they are but it's it is possible and easy to believe in South Shields because they're so obviously ambitious and yeah. successful and you're close to it, you're close to the action, you're close to the club, you're all part of it and really that, I mean again it's something I say, it is nostalgic and sentimental when I talk about this, I know it is because that's the mm. kind of person I am but that's what I want at Newcastle, that's what I want at Sunderland that's what other stuff I want to see, that's what mm. I want football to be, it's about me and everybody else all buying into the same thing and being better because we're associated with other people you can feel that 100% at somewhere like South Shields and to a lesser extent, okay not every non-league club is well run Not certainly not every non-league club is well attended but you can go to that and be so close to it and you mm. know that you buying a ticket is going to make a difference there and so that's a very very valuable that's a very very valuable thing I think Absolutely. I think there's no better place than that to finish up then, boys. Thanks very much for your time. You. It's been a much. wonderful hour or so. Thank you, Michael, for joining us again. And, uh, and, Thanks and, a lot. And uh, I hope the uh, the piece for, with Harry Pearson goes well, and we'll definitely have a look at that. Yeah, Thanks yeah, a lot, George. I do, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, George. You're very, very welcome indeed. Cheers. Excellent. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, ladies and gentlemen out there, this has been Pod on the Tyne. Of course, get yourselves onto www.theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Uh, and we shall speak to you very, very soon. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.